Hey guys, it's Amanda and Baron back with Kicking Cancer Cares. And we want to give a huge shout out to Breezy HVAC and Oddmost Pizza for sponsoring our show and making this all possible. So with that said, let's kind of recap what we talked about last week. Okay. So there was a term I brought up last time. You remember we were talking about cryoblasion? Yes, yes. So here's my test. We're back in school, Amanda. Okay. Do you remember what cryoblasion is? It's where they go in and they freeze it and then it breaks apart and then you sweat it out and yep. you kind of body pushes it out that way. Yes. But it's you have to catch your cancer extremely early to even be able to use that, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. I passed. You did. Woo-hoo. Nice job. Nice job. <laughs> The reason I bring that up is because um, when people think of your typical Western medicine approach, you 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 cut it out, mm-hmm. you burn it out with radiation, you poison it out with chemotherapy, freeze it out is another option, just not talked about as often. I, I was going to say, you don't hear about it ever, really. You, you, you don't. Um, and it's cryoblation that actually connected our the beginning phases of this organization to Marissa, which is the story we talked about last time, um, what's surprising to me is that you think about the population bases from like L.A. all the way to Seattle. Mm-hmm. When she contacted us, there was only two places in the entire West Coast that did cryoblation. Jeez. There's not, not very many options for it to be. No. For people to access. And part of why she contacted us is she was trying to raise some money to get to San Francisco, which is where they were going to perform the surgery. Um, the other component that people have to think about is if you're going to freeze a cancerous cell that limits the number of cancers, you can't do it with blood cancer, right? Oh, right. Okay. Right? So there's certain cancers that it doesn't work for. It did. It would have worked for breast cancer if they had caught it at the right time. Okay. They waited too long for her, and then the cancer began to, like, did those tentacles we talked about. Right. Right? And so at that point, cryoblation was off the table. Can I ask why it doesn't work for when it's more severe? Because they take this really long needle, mm-hmm. and they can isolate the cancerous cell, and then they freeze that cell. But if it begins to tentacle, uh, the tentacles are in too many places, and so that freezing doesn't work. It just work, doesn't work. Right? Okay. Um, That's too bad. Yeah. The other thing that is just my personal opinion is... Cryoblasion at that time was roughly $1,800. So not very much, actually. Which could have been part of why they were stalling. They or, weren't going to make much money doing it. <laughs> okay, and why there's so few. Right. You would think with something that's so low in cost that it would be more easily accessible. You would hope so. You would, you would hope, hope so. You would hope. So, so. so in, in Marissa's case, that's what she wanted to do. Right. It wasn't an option. So just to kind of recap for those that didn't listen last week, uh, I met her at the end of 2018. At that point, the cancerous cell was growing so rapidly, they were actually concerned it was going to push through her skin. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. right. So she um, she got one of our shirts. She got a small, which was actually a little bit big. So it gives you an idea. She was a small very person. Very tiny. Very small mm-hmm. person. Um, and not a lot of breast tissue to cushion the cancerous cell growth. So that was why they were concerned it was actually going to push through the skin. That's crazy. Is that common or is that... Not common. Okay. Not co- Thank goodness not yeah. common. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was supposed to have her surgery at Christmas time. She was a teacher, so it was during the Christmas break. Because it was growing so fast, they actually moved it up to Halloween of 2018. So they moved it up by Urgent. two months. Yeah. yeah. Um, they caught it, and she thought she had it under control. I contacted her a year later, which was October of 2019. It had come back. But now it's on the opposite side, as opposed to being one cell, it was splattered all over the right side from her ear, basically all the way down to her shoulder. Gosh. So now cut it out wasn't an option. 
they had to use chemotherapy. Okay. And she was really opposed to chemotherapy. Just wasn't a thing for her. Right. Which is, in a lot of cases, people choose that, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, and, and part of what you and I talked about was that, um, you know, people were questioning her on this decision. Or is this the right decision? You know, chemotherapy is what everybody does. But she wanted to not do it. So if your body is in an alkaline state, cancer and other diseases have less chance of growing. Mm-hmm. It grows in an acidic environment. Okay. So she drank tea and changed the food she ate and just totally put her body back into this alkaline state. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lasted for like another year and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. But she did pass away February 21. So, and I, I just bring that up because she fought this fight on her terms. Yeah. No, I, I, and I can appreciate and respect that. I still, so I went home last week and it was like, what would I really actually choose if that was my choice? And I don't know. And so I super respect everybody for their choices that they make and the route that they choose. Yeah. That's a and, tough one. And as an organization, we continue to say, look, this is not, this is not our fight. This is your fight. Right. We want to give you resources. We want to give you options. And so if you'll go to kicking-cancer.org, that's our website. Okay. And we have a resources tab with lots of videos out there, lots of resources for you to learn from. Mm-hmm. So you can make an educated decision. Okay. Um, our, our organization is about empowering individuals to, to take control of their own bodies. Mm-hmm. But too many people, when they get that diagnosis, diagnosis of cancer, first there's this fear, this fear that kicks in. Your body goes into kind of fight and yeah, flight mode, absolutely. right? Yeah, absolutely. And so you don't always have time to make the decision because they tell you, do this and this and this and this, and you're on the... And you follow their orders because you think that they're the, they know what they're talking about and... Right, right. Yeah. I mean, they're the that doctors, they're the experts, sometimes. and so you're following their lead. <laughs> yeah. So we want to give you some resources to make those decisions. That's awesome. That's yeah. cool. So last week you were talking about some shocking facts, which was really cool. I think we should do that every week, kind of bring something <laughs> in and it kind of shock everybody. So please tell me you brought something in today. Well, I did bring something for oh, you. Yes. I did. I did. <laughs> um, this is actually from an AARP magazine. Okay. Uh, the date is October 2019. So recent. Fairly recent. Uh, and, and the title for this article is called Lowering Drug Prices. And what's which in, we need. <laughs> which, which we need. Especially when I read to you what's in this article, you really think we need it. Okay. Um, cur- this is interesting. Currently, well, currently being when this article was created, there are 33 states that are enacting new laws aimed at lowering the price of prescription drugs. Okay. So that's well over half yeah. of the states. It's needed. It's needed. Right. And the article does bring up the fact that the, the fight to lower prescription drugs pricing is is uniquely bipartisan. It is happening in red states and blue states and states with primarily rural and semi-rural populations and states that contain some of the nation's largest cities. So if you look at our nation, whether you're South Dakota or whether you're New York or California, which is densely populated, it doesn't really matter. Right. This is a this is a problem with all the United States. Right. And state by state they are enacting laws to try to curb the price of prescription drugs. I don't feel like it's working. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were shocked when I showed you the, the statement in the middle of the article. 28%. You read it. Yeah. So in 2016, 28% of Americans stopped taking their medication as prescribed due to costs. And that's kind of crazy to me. Um, I know I've heard a lot of about costs with like, um, for example, insulin and um, EpiPens and stuff like that. And it's like people need these medications, but they have to choose between paying for food 
and paying for their medication. And in it, and that's sad. That, and that breaks my heart, actually. What's really shocking to me is this was 2016. It's got to be way higher now. So you look at the price of gas and food and housing back then versus now. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think gas is two to three times higher now than it was a couple years ago. Yes. So now you have families that are going, well, I have to unclog with gas to, to get to my job. Mm-hmm. And I have to pay two to three times as much as I did. And I have to eat. Yeah. And so those things take precedence over... I can't afford the increasing price of my drugs, so I don't take my heart medication. I don't take my insulin, right? Yeah. That's what this is kind of saying. Yeah. Is- no, absolutely. It is. And then how do, you ha- how do you live a healthy lifestyle if you can't take medications to make your body fully function properly? Right. Right. The other shocking thought I think I thought I'd bring for you. That's pretty intense. (laughs) It's really intense. That's sad. It's it's just unfortunate that we are at a point, uh, some of these things people have zero control over. Right. And they're they're going, you know, I got to put gas in my car so I can get to my job, so I can make some money, so I can feed my family, which, by the way, that cost is higher. Feeding your family's cost is higher, too. Yeah. And they look at all the rest of their bills and they go, I guess we're not going to buy these drugs this month. Lord, <laughs> that's that's it's intense. It's ser- my son, one of his medications is over fifteen hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Luckily, we have really good insurance that takes care of that. But had we not, I don't know how I could make that work. Right. In, in in all honesty, I'm not sure how I could make it work. Right. Right. So you bring this fifteen hundred dollars a month up for the cost of your son's drugs. Mm-hmm. I'll take you back to the article here. So it says here they did a, they did an analysis and they found that Medicare spent an extra 110 billion dollars in recent years because drug prices increased faster than inflation. An extra? Do you do you catch that? An extra? So that's not even the full amount. That's just the extra. That Medicare. <gasps> and where does Medicare come from? Taxpayer dollars. <laughs> So I think it's interesting. They said to put this in perspective, $110 billion is the equivalent of a year of rent for 9 million families. That's so many families. (laughs) It's a year of college for 9 million students. It's a year of grocery for 25 million American families. That's a lot of extra cost to prescription drugs that Medicare is paying. You mean... Americans' tax dollars are paying. Yes, <laughs> um, and and so so Medicare beneficiaries and taxpayers are footing the bill for this unjustified price increase. Drug companies argue that they need the money for research and innovation. <laughs> I don't even know how to comment on this. Um, that's pretty nuts. That's that's crazy. Um, maybe a little bit off topic, but uh, somebody was from another country was visiting recently me um, and they said that it is bizarre that on our TV and our radios how so many pharmaceutical companies advertise all of these drugs so when you say that they need money for the researchers it's like they're also pouring it into so many other avenues that are not necessary at all so we can discuss this more next week because you just opened a new can of worms (laughs) Um, but and I'll have to go back and find the exact quote so I'll make it more accurate next week but the U.S. is is one of either two or three countries in the world that is a lot that allows pharmaceuticals to advertise. To e- and that's what ab- she was saying. She was like, "We, you don't see these in no, my country. Other countries it's not do a not. Thing. They don't allow pharmaceuticals to advertise. Mm-hmm. And, and she we said do. over half of our commercials are pharmaceuticals. Yeah, 
So it's interesting that you have a friend from a foreign country who observed that. That was one of the first things she noticed. She says, really weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was like, wow, when you think of it like that, it really is. Yeah. And, 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 and I think what the article brings up that's an interesting point is it says we have to find a balance between the very valuable research that pharmaceutical firms are doing and the high price the consumers pay for prescription drugs. Where's that balance at between the innovation right. and that high price? Yeah. Um, I would challenge the listeners to go to YouTube and just type in prescription thugs. It's about an hour-long documentary, but it talks about how any any business out there, whatever product they have, they're trying to find ways to sell another product to enhance that initial product. You know, mm-hmm. so so for example, KSLM does radio, so you're looking for advertising. Well, where does that advertise leads to a new advertiser? Where's your other streams of income? Right. Pharmaceuticals have think tanks where they sit down together and they go, well, we just spent millions of dollars to develop this particular drug, whatever it does. How can we get more money from that drug? That's sad. And they are literally finding ways to create more income for mm-hmm. themselves. So I recently saw an ad. I think I told you about this. I saw an ad. It's, it's for the fact that you... Um, you have these little twitches in your body, mm-hmm. and the drug helps you control those those twitches. Right. The twitches are occurring because you took a drug for some anxiety. Mm-hmm. And they say in the ad, if you took a, this particular drug for this anxiety that you had, it is creating these twitches. And we have a drug for the twitches. Which you can also get for nine ninety nine. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, I forget what somebody was telling me that almost every drug has like... Six pages of side effects. Oh, you're of, lucky if it's only six. Y- yes, at least six. Um, and so that's kind of, when you said that, it's like, yeah, they, oh, well, this side effect? Well, don't you worry. We have a drug for that, too. Right. Oh, and then that side effect that caused, oh, don't you worry. We have even more for that. Yeah. So as they it's talk about this, this $110 billion, we do need research. I mean, I'm not, I'm not 100% anti-pharmaceuticals. I'm just saying that. All this money for research, that where's the balance between yeah. all the money for research and this in, incredible cost that you're spending? Mm-hmm. Where's I, that balance at? Yeah, I agree. All right. So, speaking of that, you said that you had trained for the Spartan, was it the Spartan race? It was. And you trained with for Brenda, your sister. Did other people train for other people, you know, as soon as you you phrase it that way, sorry, <laughs> no, no, it's a good way to phrase it because um, I had never done a Spartan race, right? Um, I had I had watched some videos, which actually scared me. They're intense, con- to say the least, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> um, but I knew that I needed some kind of motivation to get out there um, through those hot months of the summer because we did we did it early August, so mm-hmm. in June and July I'm out there training. Whew. And yeah, yeah, it's a little warm here. Bless your soul. <laughs> And uh, my my good friend, his name is Jess Wilson, he and I decided to do the Spartan Race together. Okay. He loves that kind of stuff, too. And so we would go to Bush Park, and we would train almost every day. But he knew he needed someone to motivate him. He knew because you had your sister, Brenda, to motivate you. Yeah. So he knew I had my own personal motivation. Right. And his wife was um, worked at a dental office, and there was this patient that had been coming in for years. And she says, you know, you should meet, her name is Jamie Savage. You should meet her. She had been battling breast cancer for 10 years. Oh, wow. So Jess knew that that was the person that he was going to use to motivate him to keep training. 
Does uh, that, in a sense, motivate them as well? It does. Okay. That's interesting. That's, it does. I feel like it would. That's Yeah. I mean, someone's just, out there fighting for you and training and working hard. It makes you want to work that much harder for yourself as well. Yeah. And just knowing that, gosh, I'm not alone. If they're going to do this for me, then I can do this for me as well. Well, so put yourself in Jamie's shoes, right? right. So you've been battling breast cancer for 10 years. You had never met Jess. You knew his wife, Kathy, from the farm, from the dental office, but mm-hmm. you didn't know Jess. Jess never met Jamie. He was going to try to meet her before he did the Spartan race, but she just was not feeling well. Yeah. You know, the chemo was just really knocking her for a loop. And so all through July, he would train. And so if you're Jamie, then I would send you a text and I would say, day one done, day two done, day three done. Yeah. And you would get these texts every day. It was really encouraging for Jamie to know this guy she had never met was it's, out there training for yeah. her. Yeah. Well, in a sense, like fighting for her. Like, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this for you. Right. And that's really, that's touching. That's really touching, actually. And she actually sent him a text as we were driving up to Washougal, where we did the Spartan race, to wish him good luck. Oh, good. Yeah. So we get up there, and he had actually coached track, which played in his favor. Yeah, I bet it did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was 20 obstacles, and there were... There were two that I didn't even try because I just knew I couldn't do them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there were three that I tried and I failed. Okay. He did every single obstacle. Holy smokes. Having never done one of these either, okay. right? Okay. Um, one of them, it's a it's a, a rope. It's a 30-foot rope. You have to climb to the top, ring a bell, and come back down. 30 feet? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's a technique that he knew that I didn't, so he did that one. Okay. Um, the other one that is really hard to train for is you have to throw a spear mm-hmm. at a bell of hay and make the spear stick. Okay. Now, again, this is a very Greek-themed, right? right? And so they fought with spears. That's the whole purpose for the That's spear cool. throw. Yeah. But he threw javelins for track. Okay. So he knew how to throw that spear. So he's spear like, I got this. And make it stick. <laughs> right? um, there's one of them where you have rings. It's like a trapeze and rings, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I joked with him that he was like a spider monkey going across these rings. But <laughs> he did every single one of them. That's awesome. And and I didn't do every single one of them. But. That doesn't make it, it, you any less better than him, though. No. I just have to say that. No, thank you. It, the <laughs> fact that you guys were both out there for the cause that you were is amazing. Yeah. And we, we vowed to start and finish together, which we did. Mm-hmm. So that was August. Okay. Um, first part of September, he had arranged to actually go finally meet Jamie. When he met her, she was really just done fighting. You know, it had been a 10-year battle for her. Right. It's a long time. It's a long time. Is that a normal time span for breast cancer? The If you can get past five years, that's kind of like the magic mark, that five-year mark. Uh, there's no there's no magic number for breast cancer. Right. Um, it kind of depends on how it comes back, if it comes back. Yeah. If it comes back in certain areas. Like if it, if it leaves the breast and goes to the brain, it's really hard to beat it if it goes to the brain. Yeah. You know? So there's no, like, magic number. Okay. But uh, for her, she was just tired of fighting. Yeah. I think she was in her late 40s, so she had basically fought all the way through her 40s. Yeah. Um, wasn't married, no kids, no real family here in the Salem area, and she had made the decision to do death with dignity. Okay. What Can you kind of explain that a little bit? So there's a law in Oregon that actually says that I have the right to take my own life. Okay. Death with dignity. Okay. It's controversial subject. I'm not here to tell no, you listeners yeah. either political view on death with dignity, 
But in Jamie's case, she had made that decision. Okay. She looked at Jess, kind of knowing his family, his morals, you know, his religious beliefs. And she said, Jess, I got no one here. No, no family. I, will you and your wife be there with me when I do this? Mm-hmm. But she was concerned that he would say no because of his beliefs. Right. So, and I think it kind of ties back to the thing we said with Marissa. He literally says, this isn't my decision. Yeah. This is your decision. It is, yeah. And I will respect your decision. Just here to stand with you and support you and just just be here with you. Yeah. 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 So for most of September and October, he'd go to her house. They would, um, you know, do dishes, do yard work, whatever they could do to help her during those last, you know, few Mm -hmm. months. They went over there um, in early November and she had, because of the chemotherapy, her saliva glands had stopped working. Really? There's a lot of weird side effects to chemotherapy. Um, it can cause neuropathy in your feet. Mm-hmm. So you can stand up and not realize you're standing up. Wow. I have friends who have stood up and fallen and broken arms because they realize they're standing. Yeah. Another side that's effect. A, that's a side effect from chemotherapy? Yeah. Wow. Another side effect from chemotherapy, since we're on it, um, there's a business here in town, good supporter of our organization called Sedum Audiology. Mm-hmm. And one of the side effects of chemotherapy is hearing loss. Okay. So my friend who works there, his name's Devin Grogans, he, he always says, if you're going to go down that chemotherapy route, go in and get your hearing tested so you have a baseline. Oh, yeah. And then get it tested again after chemo. So you see can see at. if there's any difference. Yeah. Okay. In her case, one of the side effects was that she couldn't swallow. Wow. I. How do you? Wow. So so you see That's the heartbreaking. You, you see the yeah. dilemma that yeah. she's in, right? Mm-hmm. She had made the decision to do death of dignity, and it's it's a, a pill that you take. Right. Okay. But now she can't take the pill. Right. Because she can't swallow, and Jess and Kathy cannot give it to her. So if I give you the pill, it constitutes murder. Oh, okay. If you take the pill, it's death with dignity. Got it. Okay. So that option's now off the table for Jamie. God, she's probably just like, I can't win. Yeah. So November rolls around, and hospice has now been called into her house. They're looking at the whole situation. You know, how, how can we be there for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and they realized that it was time for her to leave the house and and go pass away in a hospice facility. Right. Jamie really wanted to pass away in her own house. Versus a hospital bed. I don't blame her. Right. So while they're there, um, Jess looks over at his wife. The nurses had left the room. And his wife says, if you're going to do it, you better do it now. So Jess turned to Jamie, and he just kind of put her hand on her shoulder, and he said, it's time to home. It's time to go home to God. Um, it's like he gave her permission to pass away. Right. Which she did one hour later. That's crazy. I'm getting tears. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's kind of crazy. She probably just felt a sense of relief. Yeah. Like, okay, I can do this, and then God came and just plucked her for his garden up there. Yeah. That's that's right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you warned me you were going to do this for the show. (laughs) 
But as You've gotten me a few times. <laughs> it what amazed me about that whole situation was that Jamie fought this fight on her own fight. She did. All right to the very end. And because of that, um, Jess and I developed a phrase, he helped me start keeping cancer. During the Gettysburg Address, President Lincoln was there at the gravesite trying to rally the North to keep fighting. And he looked at the gravesite and he says, from these honored dead, we have to take increased devotion to the cause that they gave the full measure of devotion. So do not let them die in vain. Okay. And we have coined that phrase. Do not let them die in vain. I like that. Yeah, don't I, let them die in vain. I like that a lot. So we tell these stories so that they can keep well, the fight going. I, I appreciate that. And with that said, we're about to end here. And I just want to give another shout out to HVAC, or Breezy HVAC, I apologize, and Oddmost Pizza for supporting us and sponsoring us so that we can do this show. And with that, as the movement continues. We'll tune in next week, oh, right? Oh, yes. Tune Sorry. in next week. Sorry, I was <laughs> You were anxious to go. I was. All right. Tune in next week as, as the, the movement, movement continues. continues.